Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. And on the fifth day, we're going to start at verse 20. And let me post these scriptures on the screen for you so you can follow along. We ended last week, at, or excuse me, last lesson at verse 19 that says the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And I'd like to just note to you something with that. Uh, read it uh Actually, you can't read it unless you have your Bible with you, but let me read it for you, okay? I'm going to post this verse, and let me read it for you. Last session, we ended off in verse 19, and it says, The evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now, this is something that's important that you must understand, especially as you begin to study the Bible and get into the Word of God and begin to hear teachings, listen to teachings, and study for yourself. You have to understand this, okay? We see every day that is listed here in the uh, seven days of restoration and recreation, restoration, we see that it says it in this manner. The evening... And the morning wore the fourth day. But that's not how you look at time. You guys look at time as when you wake up in the morning. And then when you go down at night, you say, ah, that it was a good day. Or, ah, it was a stressful day. <laughs> you know, it was a stressful day. It was a good day. It was, you know, this or that. You know, you make that declaration and... Changing the lights and turning the fan off. You make those declarations in the evening. It was a good day. It was a bad day. Or, whew, I'm glad that day is over. Has anyone here ever said anything like that? Have you ever felt that or thought that or said that? I'm glad this day is over. Well, you have a misunderstanding about something. And there are a lot of problems tied to this misunderstanding. And one of the problems tied to this misunderstanding is that you think that the day is ending in the evening. But what if we could actually avoid some of the problems that we have in our life if we understood how God sees the day? God sees the day beginning in the evening. We see that here in the first um, six, seven days of restoration in Genesis. He says, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So God counts the day 
and the Jewish people too. This goes throughout Jewish culture and Jewish tradition, and it comes from Genesis chapter 1. This is where they get it from, that the day begins in the evening. Now, I know in the Christian church, we have a lot of people um, that are into the early morning prayer, the five o'clock prayer, whatever, um, you know, we were doing for our, at our church in Tulsa, the last one we planted there, we were doing a, a 5 a.m. prayer every day. We were praying from five until uh, I think it was five to 8 a.m. We're doing three hours a day. So, you know, we, we have this uh, concept of we're going to set the day up by, by, by getting up in the dawn of the day and starting the day in prayer. And that's the beginning of the day. And then in the evening is the end of the day. Uh, and, and while that early morning prayer is great, while it's essential, while it's vital, uh, what if we uh, approached our day, say, for example, today is Monday, tomorrow is Tuesday. What if we approach Tuesday by not waking up into Tuesday saying, okay, I have to pray, I got to go to work, I got to do all these things. What if we planned for Tuesday on Monday night? What if Monday night was the beginning of our Tuesday, and it was before we went to sleep, we began to understand that this is the beginning of the day. And so before we go to sleep, we're going to uh, you know, put out our iron our clothes, set out our clothes, uh, go over what appointments we're going to make today. What, uh, excuse me, in the morning, what sales calls we're going to make, uh, what kind of uh, to do things on my task list, and and we just we figure all that out. We we write all that out, and we plan all that out in the evening at the beginning of that day. So then, when you wake up. You already have spent time in prayer, spent time in meditation. You're prepared to take on the morning, the night before. You have your to-do list, your task, and you could get so much done and accomplish so much more if you had planned properly the night before. But the Western habit is uh, have dinner, uh, watch TV, watch the news, and then go to sleep, and then uh, try and tackle everything early in the morning. If we tackle things in the evening after dinner, we start our new day, the start of the new day. And we planned and we prayed and we, we got everything lined up. So when we wake up, we make those phone calls, we get our coffee, make those phone calls, get to the office, knock out everything we planned. And that is then you get to the, the, the twilight and that's when your day is over. That is how the Jewish people had lived their life, and that is how we see in Scripture God saw every day to be counted. So what does that have to do with Bible interpretation? What does that have to do with, with Bible study and Bible Scripture and Bible understanding? Well, if you understand that the, first, the, 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 the beginning of the day was actually in the evening, you'll understand that the Sabbath begins not on Saturday morning. The Sabbath begins on Friday night. Ah. So now you realize all of these Christian groups that are trying to be Jewish-like and celebrate the Sabbath, they're all running around trying to have their activities on Saturday for church, 
when they don't understand that the that biblically speaking, they're trying to be scriptural. Biblically speaking, the Shabbat meal and the Shabbat should be on Friday night. The Shabbat service is Friday night. And so actually the beginning of Shabbat is Friday night. And they light the Shabbat candle. When the sun goes down, they say when the sun sets, that's when the new day starts. Hallelujah. That's when Shabbat starts. And they light the Shabbat candle and they pray for their children. They pray for their wife. They speak the blessing over them. They get together. They have the bread and the wine and they, they put the bread, they dip it in salt is for the covenant and so forth. So we understand that in, in Jewish culture, in scriptural reading, biblical study and understanding, the days begin in the evening. The days begin in the evening. So the Passover started in the evening. That was when the Passover meal began. And then it lasted into the next day. So we see verse 19, the evening and the morning were the fourth day. This is something you must understand in Bible study. So let's move on to verse 20 here. If you're trekking with me, just put an amen or something in the comments and I'll make sure, and I'll know that you're following along with us. Uh, Sister D says, thank you so much. Praise the Lord. So let's start off here. Verse 20, and I'm going to put it on the screen so everyone can read with me. And it says this, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Hallelujah. Now, I just have to stop right there and give God a shout of praise because I have a teaching called Fish Came's First. You know, it's called Fish Comes First. Fish Comes First. And this teaching really is not something that I pioneered or nailed out myself. It was a friend of mine named Pastor Alan DeDio who had the most profound revelation in, in teaching um, that that he shared with me one-on-one -on -one while we were walking around the Forbidden City. Uh, if Alan, if you're watching, Pastor Alan DeDio, if you remember, me and you were walking around the Forbidden City. We walked off of the, the steps from the, the underground subway system. We walked up the steps right into Tiananmen Square, and we walked around Tiananmen Square, and you share me that whole testimony about how God gave you the revelation that fish come first. And so without really getting into that teaching today about fish coming first, it, I just want to give you an understanding that uh, fish in the scripture is a sign of prosperity. And, and Pastor Alan DeDio goes into this in great detail in his uh, version of it. I went and studied it out, and I've added some things here or there. But his original teaching is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, one of the things that he points out is that fish was always a sign of prosperity. If they were struggling financially, it was because they had a lack of fish. They couldn't catch anything. If they were in abundance, they had a good catch of fish. So fish always represented prosperity. And so when we got in this message, and I took it back to my leaders and my pastors in Beijing, and we began to study this out, and we opened up verse 20, and we said, let's find where the very first fish came from. Let's look, let's, let's use the law of of first mentions, and let's find the first place where God 
where God first talked about where fish first appear in the scriptures. And we ended up here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, on the fifth day. And profoundly enough, five is the number of grace. So we see that when we're talking about uh, fish, and we're talking about supernatural provisions from God, provisions from heaven. We we are we are looking at the fifth day of creation, the day of grace. In other words, that all that we want and all that we need is supplied by God, and is supplied by God in in on the fifth day. Meaning, it's a work of grace. God provides for His children. God blesses his children and it's it's a work of grace not 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 something that you could uh, manipulate on but it comes by the grace of God and the bible says that we know the grace of our lord jesus christ it's that word grace in second corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 it says for we know the grace the five is the number of grace. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Let me, let me, let me, I just quoted it for you, but let me read it to you here. Matter of fact, let me just put it on the screen because I just want to show you the significance of the fifth day with the prophetic meaning of number five to be grace to show how grace is tied to financial abundance, prosperity, and provisions from God. So I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to just show it to you on your uh, screen so you can uh, see that. Amen. And that's going to be second Corinthians. I believe it's eight to nine. And I wasn't planning. And as I told you guys, I, uh, I have not approached this series with any notes. I do have a little book that I just picked up that was interesting in regards to the subject matter that we're studying. And I haven't read it yet. I just actually cracked it 10 minutes ago, peeked at it. I found an interesting nugget, but uh, I'm not using any notes. So there's nothing written up or prepared. Not saying I won't in the future. I'm not trying to do some kind of, you know, look me, look ma, look, I'm riding the bicycle, no hands. This is not one of those type of things. But I'm just saying that the way that we're approaching this series is we're coming together with you, fellowshipping live online and broadcasting online. And we're just having a talk. We're having a fellowship. We're opening up the Bibles and I'm sharing with you the, the, the 20, 30 years of revelation that God has given me on the book of Genesis, step by step, we're walking through it together. So let's take a look here at the verse that I just quoted to you. And it looks like that I did quote it identically correct. So that's good to know that the, the word is hidden deep in my heart. I'm going to post this verse to you and then we'll get back to the next verses in a minute. So we're talking about the fifth day. And in the fifth day, we see provision. Uh, the fifth day, we understand the number five means grace. So how is grace tied to provisions? Well, the New Testament tells us very clearly how grace is tied to prosperity. And I'm going to post that right on the screen. Take a look at that. It says right there, it's on the screen, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. So wealth and riches and prosperity come through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you might be rich through his poverty. So grace makes you rich through the poverty Take it out of the way, nailed to the cross through the death and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So now we get to the fifth day of creation and we're finding that uh, riches, prosperity, uh, wealth, the blessing was given to us on the fifth day. It was a work of grace. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I chuckle here when we get into this, and I see, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. I chuckle because we understand that, that by grace, on the, on the fifth day, the grace day, fish came first. In other words, prosperity, abundance, meat, provisions came first on the day of grace god by his grace before he ever made man he 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 made provisions in the earth but i chuckle because not only did he make provisions not only did he make wealth and prosperity not only did he provide for all mankind through the fish of the sea but it says here in verse 20 that god said let the waters bring forth abundantly Meaning God is not just enough, but he is more than enough. He, when he spoke to provision, when he spoke to our prosperity, when he spoke to the source of wealth and riches, he said, let them come forth so you have just enough. No. Let them come forth to feed the nations. No. He said, let them come forth abundantly. We see God is the God of blessing, of overflow, of more than enough. And I was with one of the, our, 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 my spiritual sons in the Lord there in Beijing, and he had some other version. I don't know if it was NIV or whatever. And he said, look, look what it says in my version. He said, it says in his version that God said, let the, let the waters bring forth abundantly, the moving creature that has life and the fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of the heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that, that moveth, which the waters brought forth. And his version said, no, no, let me, let me give, give that to you here. I'm going to post it up there for you guys. There it is. Okay. the whales and the every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth. We see in the King James, the, that word again, abundantly. But in his version of the Bible, it said teeming, teeming. And, uh, you know, that's not a word that I use very much, but I understand. I understood the word to team meant to, to be just to the full, to the overflow. I'm gonna I'm gonna let's pull that word up teeming 
in the in the dictionary here. Teeming. Teeming definition. Teeming means to be full of or swarming swarming with. Every garden is teeming with wildlife, swarming with wildlife, full of wildlife. So on this this the day that God made provision, he made it in swarms. Hallelujah. <laughs> My pastor had a, a theme last year. He was preaching on uh, something called um, heaps. He was preaching on heaps and heaps of blessing. Well, we hear, see here in the first principles of the oracles of God, we see here in the, in the law of first mention, the word used teeming, swarming to be filled with when God... Bless them, 21, and God created the great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters bring forth, teeming, swarming, abundantly filled with after their kind and some fried chicken. Hallelujah. Wing fowl. That's church's chicken. Popeye's chicken. Kentucky fried chicken. Cane's chicken. Hallelujah. Bojangles. Glory to God. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just joking. I'm just being facetious. I mean, there was, it wasn't talking about KFC, and, and but, but, he, but we're talking about meat, provisions for the earth, for humanity, for, for his children. And you're going to find out even more on the sixth day for his people, for God's people, for Israel. And those who are engrafted in by the blessing. And this is this this wasn't for the devil and his bunch. And I'm gonna prove it to you by unlocking a mystery. I'm gonna prove to you that it's not just for the devil and his bunch. I'm gonna do it by unlocking a mystery in the Hebrew code. On every seventh sequence, I'm gonna show you another mystery here. Okay. So he on the fifth day, the day of grace, the waters brought forth teeming abundantly a swarming the moving creature that hath life the fowl that may fly above the earth and he opened the firmament of the heaven and god created the great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind and god saw that it was good hallelujah and now i'm going to post and i'm going to show you verse 22 i'm going to put up to you verse 22 i put i gave you 20 and 21 now let's give you 22 and 23 okay Twenty-two and 23 all right let's post it up here And let's, we have a few comments here. Let's see here. We got a comment here that says, Amen. Praise God. If I miss some of your comments, guys, I apologize about that. Cody says he's following. D says, thank you so much. Pastor B says, love the studio and the lighting. Thank you, Pastor B. Hey, Pastor B, on the slides, for some reason, I'm missing, uh, like, verse 10. I'm missing verse 10 onwards. Let me show you here. We have all this, but then we're missing some of the verses. So I'm just trying to copy and paste so they can see. 
but it goes to verse 10, and then it just skips. So everything from 10 onwards we don't have. So that's why I'm cutting and I'm pasting. So Pastor B, if you could get me the rest of those verses in, in the first chapter, that would be very helpful. Not sure why that is. But let's show you this next verse here, verse 22. And God blessed them. Who did God bless? He blessed the fish. And he blessed the birds. What is the first thing that God blessed? The first thing that God blessed, take a look at scripture. Prior to this verse, the word blessed was not used anywhere in scripture. The very first time, this blew my mind, because I wanted to study the blessing. And I went to study the blessing. I went to study prosperity. I went to study provision. And I said to myself, let me look and use the law of first mention. Let's find the first place in the Bible where God ever uses the word bless. What's the first thing that he blessed? The word blessed in itself, one of the meanings is to empower, to prosper. You know, when Jesus took the bread, the Bible didn't say he prayed over it. When he took the fish, he didn't say that he prayed over it and multiplied it. It says he blessed it and he broke it. So he took that fish and he took that bread and he blessed it and he broke it. So in other words, he took those loaves of bread and he put them in his hands and he gave it the same blessing that he gave here in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 20, uh, 22. He said... Be blessed and the bread brought forth. Look at scripture, look at the verse 20. And the bread brought forth abundantly after his kind. So when God blessed the bread, when Jesus blessed the bread, what was the result of the blessing. What happens when a blessing happens? We see when Jesus blessed the bread, it multiplied. It didn't come out to pizzas, and it didn't come out to croissants, and it didn't come out to, uh, you know, whatever type of breads that you might know of. It, what it did was, the bread that it was, it multiplied that. So, we see in verse 20, I'm going to go back there, let me go back there for you real quick. I want you to read it. Okay. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly and the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that, that fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind so they didn't every everything that he created reproduced after its own kind so when he spoke to the bread and he said when when he multiplied the bread he didn't do a prayer he blessed it he said be blessed and it multiplied after its own kind then he took the fish and he said be blessed and it multiplied over its own kind so we see that when 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 god when jesus gives a blessing it multiplies and so now we look here 
I said, where is the first place that God ever blessed anything? Where do we first see the blessing in Scripture? The first place we see the blessing in Scripture is right here in Genesis verse. Uh, let me pull it up on the screen so you can read it. The first place we see the Scripture right here is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 22. It's here. God blessed them. God blessed them. What did he bless? He blessed the fish. And the fish multiplied. He blessed the fish. And they multiplied. He blessed them in saying, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the waters of the seas and let the fowls multiply the earth. So now the law of first mention every in the very first time we see that we're blessing it's tied to fruitfulness and multiplication. Every time you see the word blessing, it's tied to fruitfulness and multiplication. And what's the first thing that he blessed? The first thing that he blessed was your provision. He, he, the first thing he blessed was your prosperity, your abundance, your ability to produce and make wealth and to have sustenance and supply. The first thing that he blessed by his grace on the fifth day that by his grace, he took your provisions and he blessed it, that it would internally prosper and evolve and multiply and swarm in your bank account, swarm over your life, swarm in your finances. Hallelujah. You might say, well, Bishop, I don't see that in my life today. Well, you know what? Now that I'm preaching to you and teaching to you what God has given to you through Christ Jesus, if you're not a Jew, if you're not part of the Israel, uh, but but you accepted Christ and born again, you now are also a part of that covenant through Jesus Christ. You're the branch and grafted into the root. And now that blessing for provision that God made for his children in the beginning are, is now belongs to you. Hallelujah. And you can awaken to it. Hallelujah. And, and declare it and call it in. Hallelujah. You see, what you meditate on, what you chew on, what emanates from your spirit is attracted to you. Hallelujah. And get full of God's provisions and faithfulness and abundance and prosperity in your inner man. Hallelujah. And blessings and favor will come and overflow you. Get full, hallelujah, of the word of God. Full of the truth of God concerning his blessings, his abundance, his prosperity. And blessings will overflow you. In the, in the same manner, get full of God's healing love, healing power, faithfulness to heal and deliver. And healing will flow through your body. Hallelujah. Just because it's not your state right now doesn't mean the preaching that I'm teaching and all this doctrine is in vain. It means get into this. Get full of it. Let it be alive to you. Awaken to the point that it belongs to you and it will release in the spirit realm into your life because your spirit might be rejecting the very thing that God wants to bring into your life. So God blessed them on the fifth day 
The very first thing he blesses your provision and your prosperity. He blessed him on the fifth day by saying to the provision, be fruitful and multiply. Hallelujah. You know, that's what I say to my offerings and tithes. When the offering goes by, the tithe basket goes by, I always put my offering in and my tithe in and my seed in. And I always say, be fruitful and multiply and come back in Jesus' name. Be fruitful. I do that. And people who sit around me, they giggle. Sometimes I go to a conference or something like that or whatever. I'm sitting around people. They don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know I'm a pastor. They just they just think like, oh, there's this fat guy next to me. You know, they don't know who I am, whatever. You know, and, and then I say, the offering comes by, I put my money in, and I say, be blessed, multiply, and come back, be fruitful in Jesus' name. And people say, ha, <laughs> they look at me. And they just put their offering and don't say nothing. Not me. Shoot. If Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish by saying, be blessed. If Jesus multiplied Adam and Eve by saying, be blessed, be fruitful and multiply. If Jesus multiplied the fish and the whales and the birds of the sky by saying, be blessed, be fruitful and multiply. I do the same thing over my offering and seed too. And you should do the same thing over your businesses, over your sales, over your tips if you're a waiter, over your business. Hallelujah. Speak over it, be blessed and be multiplied, not out of some kind of pride or conceit, but based upon that we know the grace. Because it all is about the fifth day. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might have just enough. No, because on the fifth day, he didn't promise us enough. On the fifth day, he didn't say, multiply just a little on the fifth day he didn't say let the waters bring forth some just enough fish to just enough to feed everybody but he said abundantly and then he says it again in verse 21 abundantly then he says it again in verse 22 multipliedly blessedly fruitfully multiplication blessings abundance hallelujah on the fifth day and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl of the earth multiply in the earth. Now, does that sound familiar to anybody here? Be fruitful and multiply is most commonly recognized by Christians as the command that God gave Adam and Eve. But let me ask you a question. How can God command Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiplied if their provision was constrained, if their provision was tight, if they were low on funds, if they didn't have enough money for, money for that uh, in the ministry, if they didn't have the finances for that in their, in their company, how can they be fruitful and multiply? So God first, before he made man, and gave them the blessing to be fruitful and multiply, he made fish, representing provision, and he made that abundant, hallelujah. Money is abundant. Oil is abundant. Diamonds are abundant. Gold is abundant. The provisions of this earth are here in abundance for those who will lay hold of them. Through the covenant of God and walk in the in, in, in the abundant overflowing provisions of God to demonstrate to this earth using financial power, influence, legislation, 
laws, media, entertainment with the gospel of God. You can sit out there and cry all day long with your picket signs. But if you want to get something really done, lobby on Capitol Hill. If you want to get something really done, let it hit them in the wallet. You know, money is what talks. Money is what runs the the free market economy is what runs everything. And it's the 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 the, the power of wealth that that controls society. So that's why the LGBTQ community in the 60s and the 70s over in Highton Ashbury, San Francisco, they plan to infiltrate society by using finances and wealth and investing and putting money, poor money into areas and, 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 and getting hired and getting jobs in influential areas and becoming an economic power to try and bully around their agenda. They use wealth, Soros, playing with the nations like the puppet master. How is he able to do that? Who is he? He's an idiot. He's a demon in the flesh, possessed, demoniac. But how is he able to, to rule the nations, bankrupt England as he did a few decades ago? How is he able to do that? Through the power of money. God wants the church to not only have the power of the Holy Spirit, but to have the power of money. And not to flash around and and uh, and, and, and just silishly, lavishly uh, flash around, uh, you know, the Rolexes on Instagram or something like that, like, like prophet so-and-so. But to use that wealth to bring influence, to bring change, to bring transformation. Hallelujah. This bigger than just feeding people in Africa. It's bigger than just uh, building wells and feeding the homeless. We always preach about wealth to, to feed the poor, wealth to, you know, but even bigger than that, what wealth can do is stop the agenda of what's 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 cutting off food for the world in, in, in the Ukraine, the breadbasket of the world. You see, this is the game where Soros is playing in these guys. God wants the church to not only play on that level, but to dominate on that level. But to do so, you have to have assets. You have to have wealth. And God wants the church to walk into that. He wants the church of God to walk into that. They're not just some Baptist guy, but Holy Ghost filled, tongue-talking believers, filled with the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit and, 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 the, and, the, and the power of the Holy Spirit to also walk in the power of, of financial influence and wealth. God raised up multi-billionaires in Jesus' name. I'm praying God to make my pastor a billionaire. I see billionaire status over him. I pray God will make him a billionaire. And my 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 first spiritual father, Bill Winston, billionaire Bill. I pray God makes him a billionaire. Him and Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, billionaires. Because these guys are impacting the nations. You know, Bill Winston has that Joseph School of Development. He's developing the nations. Hallelujah. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown is 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 is, is impacting the nations. Hallelujah. And I would to God, hallelujah, that I'd be able one day to walk in that flow. It's in my covenant for me, but is is it in the, the, the plan of God for the ministry? 
that's something that it will be revealed as we go forward. Right now, I am saying scripturally, God has provided for his children provision in abundance. Not a little provision, but provision in abundance. And we see this in the very book of beginnings, the first chapter on the fifth day, the day of grace. Now, it's interesting when we get into this I'm uh, sixth day, and I'm really excited to get into this sixth day because you're going to find that from the sixth day to the seventh day, there is a special message hidden in Bible code. I'm not saying that there's not special messages here in chapter, uh, excuse me, on the fifth day, but I want to just highlight, bring out, and point your attention to a special message on the sixth day that goes from the sixth day to the seventh day to the nation of Israel. And the significance of the special messaging to Israel is because if a day as is a thousand years to God, then the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, we're talking about thousands of years. So you get into the third day, into the fourth day, into the fifth day, you know, so now you get into this last thousand years, the sixth day that we are in. We're in the sixth day. We're at the end of the sixth day. It wasn't until this last thousand years that in 1948, Israel becomes a nation again. So we find that in the sixth day, all of a sudden there appears a special message to Israel hidden in Bible code. And the last, not just in the sixth day, but it goes all throughout to the seventh day in the book of Genesis chapter one. And it's interesting because it's in the sixth day from the day of creation. If a, if a thousand years is a day to God, then we go to the first thousand years of human history, the second thousand years, onto the six thousandth year. It's in the six thousandth year that Christ restores Israel. And then it goes into the 7,000th year, into the millennial reign, where New Jerusalem comes down. And Christ rules for this 1,000 years in Jerusalem with Israel, his people. And everyone will have to come up to Israel to worship all throughout that next millennium, that seventh day. And in the Bible code, every seventh increment of Hebrew lettering, we find a message to Israel and I'm going to show you what that secret message is on the next broadcast when we teach on the sixth and the seventh day. The next broadcast will probably just do the sixth day. And then after that, we'll do another time. We'll get together and I'll teach on the seventh day. And But you're going to find on the sixth day, the beginning of a special message to Israel that lasts for the sixth and the seventh day, representing the sixth and seventh thousandth year when Israel becomes a nation and then rules from the whole world from Israel during that millennial reign with Christ as king, unlocking the mysteries of Genesis. That's what we're doing here.
we'd like to make an appeal for you today to give and support and so into the ministry. We have just moved to Houston, Texas, and we are starting another church here. And uh, I really feel that this church is going to be a, 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 a mega church. I believe God is building up a mega church here. I believe we'll be doing very strong, very well with all nations, Indian members. We, we already, we've already, we haven't even opened the doors yet. We already have Pakistani members, American members, Chinese members, and, um, and we've been talking to a couple other people uh, this week that are that have been keen and engaging with us from Italy and from Hong Kong. So, so God is starting to open things up here. I believe we're going to have a great, strong, healthy ministry uh, that's discipling folks. Uh, three generationally, the, the, the older, then the, the younger, and then the children. And uh, I believe that God is going to really uh, do big things here, reaching the nations from this place. We're going to be in Paris, France here in a few months, uh, ministering to the, to the prostitutes who are sex trafficked, and they're uh, forced to be in the woods naked to prostitute themselves uh, on drugs, drugged up there by the cartels we're going to be going ministering to those women uh, ordaining 19 new pastors and ministers in paris france then and uh, think in luzon switzerland uh, so that's exciting we're gonna uh, here in 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 this city in sugarland texas we're gonna need uh, several strong partners to to give and be involved in the ministry so uh, don't be shy so and give we want to really Unlock the your treasures into the kingdom of God, where moth and rust does not corrupt, where there's a guaranteed return, favor, blessings, and provisions, and you have all these great ways to give. All these great ways to give, you can give online at anftulsa.com. We also do have a cash app, the dollar sign all nations Tulsa. We also have a PayPal. And the PayPal is uh, paypal.me forward slash the River Church Tulsa. And then we have a Venmo, the at symbol, the dash river dash Tulsa. And then we you could write a check or money order, send that to the ministry. And any way you choose to give would be a blessing. Uh, we want to appreciate you. Thank you for watching and coming out to be with us. Uh, we do appreciate you and love you. And uh, we encourage you to give and sow into the ministry do so generously abundantly knowing that the grace of our lord jesus christ was given so you can tap into his covenant through the laws of seed time and harvest sowing and giving to walk in divine abundance people are worried about inflation and the economy and gas the best thing you could be doing now is connect to that teeming swarming abundant overflow the covenant of God through your giving. And the ministry is the best place to give for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for souls. It's the best type of soul that you could give into. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for watching. All Nations International Fellowship, Living Proof TV. And I know that you were blessed. Praise God. This is Bishop Joseph Castillo. And I trust that you were encouraged and impacted by that message. Whenever a word of God goes forth by an anointed fivefold ministry gift, it leaves an eternal impact 
So I want you to share this podcast on your social media, tweet it out, send it to your friends and your family so they can also receive this word of God. Now, if you're listening today and you haven't settled accounts with God, if you know you're not living right, let me tell you, Jesus came to this world not to condemn you, but that you can have life. And if you pray today with me, opening up your heart, repenting of your sin, God will give you a fresh start. Just open your mouth out loud and repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Give me new life. Father, I repent. From this day forward, I belong to you. Satan, I renounce you and the works of darkness. And I receive now the power of the Holy Spirit to give me new life and strength to overcome sin. Amen. You prayed that prayer. I want you to contact the ministry right now. Send us an email at A-N-I-F contact at gmail.com. A-N-I-F contact at gmail.com. And I'm going to send you some videos, some free books, just everything you need to grow. And we're going to connect you with the local church in your area because this Christian life has to be lived with brothers and sisters and, and you need pastors and teachers and men of God to walk you through or women of God to, to help navigate and teach you and grow in the things of God. So we love you. We thank you for listening today. We ask you to share this podcast. So into the ministry. Give at aniftulsa.com. That's www.aniftulsa.com. Thanks for listening. This is Living Proof with Joseph Castillo.